This is Unfilter, episode 52, for May 29th, 2013. American officials told ABC News today that at least 29 of the country's most critical weapon systems have been compromised by Chinese hackers. From the Navy's Aegis system to knock out enemy ballistic missiles, to the state-of-the-art F-35 jet fighter, to the most advanced marine combat vehicles. The Chinese may be able to discover vulnerabilities in those weapon systems that would make them easier to attack. And easier to copy. Coming up on this week's episode of Unfilter, March Against Monsanto protests were held in 52 countries and 436 cities around the world protesting the GMO giant and its genetically modified seeds. We'll dig into the movement's real goals and see if it has any chance of making a difference. Then, Chinese hackers have gained access to the designs of major U.S. weapon systems, a new report claimed on Monday. But we have a few questions about the timing of this announcement and how it fits in to the bigger picture. We'll explain. Plus, why weapons are about to flood into Syria, your feedback, and much, much more on this week's episode of Unfiltered. Coming to you live from the Jupiter Broadcasting Extreme Weather Center. My name is Chase Nunes and welcome to the one-year anniversary edition of Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news that you really should not be watching. And you know, since I already introduced myself, I'm going to introduce the guy at the controls, the one who mixes all the music, except for the intro, that's Ronald Jenkins. Yeah. Here he is, beautiful talented groomed and groomed bearded chris what's going hey, on chris Chase. I'm, hey buddy i'm fired up man it's our uh, one year anniversary which yeah. feels good for the unfiltered show it's been a long windy one year and i'm pretty happy where we're at at the one year mark yeah i've 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 probably pissed off about half the listeners <laughs> which is fine you yeah, know well, i i think I, I think and i've pissed off the other half so where does that leave us uh leads us with a good chunk of supporters just the uh, <laughs> just the newbies that stumble across the show accidentally yeah, that's right so we turned one yeah, today yeah even feels, though it's 52 we we really turned one yeah it feels like we get cheated on that doesn't it yeah because it's yeah. like wow it, we worked so hard to get to one <laughs> well we yeah. got a heck of a show this week we had a lot i thought i thought you know you and i are going to sit down here there'll be nothing to talk about memorial day just uh totally well, i mean if there was nothing to talk about we could just talk about the local news like the big i i'm surprised you did not have a story because this hit I worldwide i know i know this hit worldwide i know i i would have it's just we talked about it in the linux action show uh, and yeah I but thought, but you gotta realize that, I, I mean audiences not always cross pollinate i don't think that's possible you know, I thought... I bet our friends in England knew. They're like, I was thinking about Unfilter. Man, was, were you guys close to that bridge? Yeah, right, exactly. I was actually thinking we'd, we'd start with, there's a topic that we have covered. We've, de- we've dedicated an entire episode to it in the past. It's been in several of our shows. We've followed it a long time, and I thought for our 52nd episode, we should start with a good old classic... Monsanto. Right? Yeah, you like it, baby. That's right. I was thinking uh, we should do a Monsanto story because this past Saturday 
It uh, was the worldwide march against Monsanto. It was a political demonstration. It I was a the, worldwide movement. Chase. I saw this on Facebook. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I saw it on Google Plus. <laughs> uh, shout out to Ben on Google Plus who was uh, who was posting videos from there. But uh, uh, RT sent their lady out on the street. She's getting interviews, and I thought, let's play this. It's pretty interesting. And you know, as a show that's followed Monsanto for pretty much the entire life of the show, it's it's it's. We, I think we're really really starting to see more and more people ask questions. Protesters of all ages and walks of life fill the streets of the Big Apple. New York City, one of dozens U.S. cities participating in the worldwide march against Monsanto. People fill the streets chanting against the corporation, taking over the agriculture market throughout the world. They say it's time to put an end to what Monsanto has been up to. A giant biotech corporation... <laughs> Notorious for creating genetically engineered and genetically modified food. Criticized for turning a blind eye on potential health consequences from GMOs to consumers around the world. How many people you poison today? And using immense lobbying powers to resist food legislation in the U.S. and pushing through bills protecting its own interests. You've seen the um, the police protect the crime bosses. You've seen that's why you see all these laws out there protecting the big companies like Monsanto, the Wall Street gang. I mean that's I mean it's it's all of the same. It's just all about the profits. I mean nothing's going to change. The Monsanto Protection Act, freeing the corporation from government oversight even when consumers take legal action, continues to be under heavy scrutiny. Monsanto and the government are one. How could how could we all get together and change it? I don't know. What happens tonight oh, when we go what? home? <laughs> what? Yeah. What? I'm sorry. All right, dude. Dude, no, they're not. If you listen to these protesters, they're actually pretty pessimistic about their chances. They're like, I don't think anything's like these. The next few guys are gonna have on. They're like, I don't think anything's gonna change. Here's what they need to do. What do they? I'm I'm gonna give them a roadmap, Chris. All right, hold on. This is Chase's roadmap. Okay, start it right now at this time code. Go, Chase. All right, here's it's real simple. They need to get on the phone. Okay, yeah, that's a that's a that's a device. I know. I know. Can I use Skype? You could. Okay. Sure. I got like. I got like twenty. If bucks you can call, call phone number, yeah. yeah, okay, okay, and call your representative, your congressman. Oh, that thing. Yeah, load up their phone lines. Okay, once you can't get through, then start writing them letters, actual physical letters. 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 What okay. if? What if my letters have ricin in them? I was just going to say, Chris, you do not want. You want to make sure you're not using okay. a ricin pencil. Okay, because I do have a ricin factory. Um, not a good idea. Oh, okay. Right. I mean. Don't get me wrong. I believe in the First Amendment very strongly. Obviously, we're doing this show that helps us, you know, do this sort of thing. Yeah. However, sometimes I feel like people will go down to these these rallies just to get all riled up, just to be a part of a group and part of a collective, and then they'll just go back home and they don't do anything. Got to pass some laws, right? The senators. People tell me that still works. I need to see it to believe it. So they're with you, Chase. They say they they. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I think um, I think probably a, a large percentage will do that, but you've got to figure some of the people there are going to do something. Some of the people are going to take action. That's good. That's good. And what they need to do, if they are really going to do something... Or maybe people go there never intending to, and after they've been there, they they get And passionate. I hope so. And I, and I hope when they do, they do it in a respectful, calm manner. Angry? Oh, oh okay. Crazy-like, psycho manner. No. Right. <laughs> 
Whoa. With ricin. With ricin. Standing up against a century-old biotech giant, these protesters' demands are simple. Most importantly, labeling modified food in the U.S. Countries around the world are banning, legislating, and limiting the uh, influx of GMO products into their consumer markets. The United States is not doing that. They say this has to change so consumers can make an informed choice about what they eat and feed to their kids. I'm really concerned that, you know, I'm being poisoned. I'm a small little farmer as well, and I'd like to have all my crops be organic. And I'm very concerned that this is a big issue for people your age, more than my age, because you're going to have children, and your children are going to be genetically modified. Demonstrators also demand further scientific research into health consequences of eating GMO products. Any company who has created a chemical called Agent Orange and has affected our Vietnam uh, veterans is now creating seeds for our food supply is a bad sign. The corporate giant is heavily criticized for monopolizing agriculture throughout the world by harassing and suing farmers at home and abroad. There's a few people making a lot of money and we deserve to have better than that. As well as pushing foreign governments to give Monsanto similar support and protection the company has in the U.S. Still concerns are high that too few people are familiar with what's going on. My hope is that this event will help raise awareness among people in the United States that their government is letting them down, completely letting them down. We have a Supreme Court justice who was a lawyer for the Monsanto Corporation. How much independence do we have, really, in our government? With little hope that the government will stop ignoring the voices of the people, protesters are set to continue fighting Monsanto on their own, step by step, to try to impact change from the bottom up. Anastasia Churkina, RT, New York. CNN postulates that uh, the pictures of these rats with tumors that were fed the genetically modified food spread around the internet and caused this uh, fervor to get all upset. They say they stirred the pot across the internet, and that's what led to this global protest where you had uh, 436 cities around the world get involved. There were some here in Seattle. You know, it, it's one of those situations where I think that it's a bigger problem, and it's not just Monsanto. I mean, obviously, we're talking about Monsanto because of, of, of the current news and all. And the, Monsanto. I, we got the jingle you from like the No it, Agenda baby. show. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, I always like to add the You Like It Baby in a very deep voice okay, because it, it works. All right. Anyway, the problem here isn't just Monsanto and having themselves write their own laws and the getting them passed. It's the big lobby groups. Money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a huge. It's a, this is a, a a fragment of a much much bigger issue. Right, right, right. And uh, so here's the interesting thing: is there there's sort of this legitimate claim that Monsanto can lean on that says there's no scientific evidence really showing that uh, genetically modified foods are a problem. I mean, this rat this rat picture they 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 discount, even though it's it apparently has been peer reviewed. I have more details about that in the show notes if you guys are curious. Uh, but see, the problem is, is that uh, Monsanto is responsible for doing that testing, and then they report it to the FDA. And the FDA, I think, people just have a severe lack of confidence in the FDA's ability to withstand lobbying. I think a lot of people have a severe lack of confidence in the government, 
And this <laughs> this is part of it, right? Yeah. It speaks to it speaks to we don't trust that our government is protecting us from these companies. Right. And there's so many things we cover in the show over the 52 episodes that really at their core issue potentially even the gun debate is it comes fundamentally down to a distrust of the state of our government. Right. Because of the fact that there are so many different lobby groups I mean, when you're talking about the gun debate, you, you talk about uh, the uh, NRA yeah. and how much money and, and power, whether or not you agree or disagree with them, they have influence because of the fact they have money and yeah. influ- influence yeah. into political. Well, and, and Monsanto, the one thing that's a little freaky about Monsanto's lobbying efforts, and you guys can Google image search this or just look it up online, whatever you want. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Right. Uh, but uh, have you seen that Venn diagram that shows the pre- uh, Monsanto lobbyists who are who are now oh, yeah. government? Yeah, in, yeah. In we, we've or we've vice shown versa? that on the show. We have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's the that's the part, and there and those people are in really important positions that uh, you know would sort of grease the tracks for them. So that's where I think it's a little extra creepier. So what did we do? I mean, obviously, you know, people think, okay, well, the way that I'm going to inflict change is by marching in the streets, causing disruptions yeah. for a day or two. Well, and- those those protests are at least getting people to talk. And and this is sort of something I think because it's still new to us uh, and we don't really kind of comprehend the... I think we continually undervalue how, how important it is that we can now spread information as rapidly as we can. Like information about the things that Monsanto does or the Monsanto Protection Act and how, how uh, awareness has spread about that so fast. Yeah. I mean, we covered that a few months ago in the show and it just, just the public opinion about Monsanto has evolved so much since then. And I, I really do truly believe, like CNN believes, that the internet sort of enables this new platform for people to find out what's really going on. And uh, there was just a study that we played in the pre-show uh, clips that talked about how 60% of United States citizens uh, do not trust journalists. So if we don't trust the government and we don't trust the journalists... Well, that's when you have a company like Al Jazeera, who's going to be launching a news network here in the fall. But are one they of the, any the, better? But one of their taglines is news by Americans, for Americans. The Al Jazeera's is? Yes. They're, oh. they're using... I, I, wow. I can, let me find it. Okay. But they're they're using this tagline to really invoke and encourage that they're not going to be biased. They're going to uh-huh. be just pure news. They're not going to try to sensationalize it or anything like that. That'll be the day. Well, you never know. We'll I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll watch. We'll be they're, watching. They're, they're they're launching bureaus all over the U.S. They're launching one here in the Seattle area, Los Angeles, San Francisco. They're yeah. really trying to push this uh, this possibility that oh my God, we may have an independent, pure news outlet. Well, we'll see. We will be the watchdogs of that. Absolutely. Um, now, I want to move to uh, cyber. We haven't <laughs> talked about cyber for a, a little ASL? while. ASL? Yeah, no, no, cybersecurity. Oh, that cyber. And Sorry. remember, uh, we've covered in over the last 52 episodes, we've dedicated several episodes to the evolving narrative around cybersecurity and the threat that China and Russia and Iran pose. And I think it's some of the some of the more outstanding coverage of the show. I'm I'm using this opportunity to pat ourselves on the back, but I really <laughs> we've really been following this beat for a while now and uh it's the rhetoric this week has reached an entirely new level. Uh, I want to play some of these clips for you Chase and yeah. just kind of get your take on it. 
Uh, this first clip should bring you up to date if you're not familiar with the latest accusation. Hey, Chris, what's going on? The confidential Pentagon report quoted by the Washington Post gives the most detailed list yet of the systems that Chinese hackers allegedly have penetrated. Missile penetrated. defense systems, including the Patriot, Thad, and Aegis systems, cutting-edge aircraft such as the Joint Strike Fighter now in development, the F-35, and Ospreys. The question now is how Washington will respond to what analysts say are Beijing's cyber intrusions. In a State of the Union address early this year, President Obama addressed the issue. We know foreign countries and companies swipe our corporate secrets. Now our enemies are also seeking the ability to sabotage our power grid, our financial institutions, our air traffic control systems. We cannot look back years from now and wonder why we did nothing in the face of real threats to our security and our economy. That threat has grown as China modernizes its military and looks for ways to develop its own weapon systems. Jason Healy specializes in cybersecurity at the Atlantic Council, a research organization in Washington. We know the Chinese have been greatly expanding their defense procurement programs over the last few years. This completely fits in with what we've seen in other areas of Chinese military behavior. Chase, uh, I have a stupid question. Yeah. You ready for the stupid question of the week? I am. We don't have a jingle for it. We, we need like a, well, no, there's no such thing as a stupid question. If, if we have irrefutable evidence. Irrefutable, Chase. That China has hacked in and stolen some military Cyber weapons. Cyber espionage. Weapons designs. How is this not an act of war? Not only are they weapons designs, but they have said that they are specifically weapons pertinent to the pivot, to the to the Pacific pivot, right? Isn't that what they call it? The, yeah, I, yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, uh, and I, I don't know, Chase. So, it, so how is this not an act of war? How it how seems is like this it is not? To me. How I'm, 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 I was yeah. asking myself this question when I was reading about this story. If it's true, and we and everything we know about how the United States government acts, they must be responding in a in a completely entirely different. They need to be uber aggressive I'm sure here. Are. I'm sure what we're are hearing, they? I'm sure what we're hearing is the political front. What I find, listen to the rhetoric in this next clip. So, uh, Mike Rogers, who is uh, who sits on the uh, he's the chairman of the intelligence committee. Uh, so he's supposedly getting informed about this stuff all the time. I have found him to be the biggest windbag ever. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been like I've I'm, been, I'm showing a picture uh, of the the biggest windbag ever. He is. I really think so. And uh, even though he stopped by Wolf, this is CNN's Wolf Blitzer, and he had a little chat about. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Hey, by the way, I, yeah. I saw Wolf the other day on TV, not yeah. in person. Yeah, he's looking good, right? He's he's lost some weight. He's he doing has. pretty good. I know, I know, I know. And they, they, I like what they're doing with the colors on his set these days. Yeah, no, he's looking more natural. But uh, Mike Rogers had a few things to say. Can you confirm that just of the Washington Post story that it was Chinese military hackers, if you will, that stole all this uh, all, all this material. And I really actually appreciated this question. Well, that's a great question, Wolf. It is. And uh, uh, actually, they've been very dodgy. One. They've been very dodgy actually saying, yes, it's the Chinese military. And it, So a couple of a couple of time, weeks ago when we covered this last, we got to the point where they were saying, well, we think it's bad actors out of China, but we're not sure if they're actually associated with the Chinese government. Now that narrative has moved to, you're damn right, it's the Chinese government. I can't confirm what they've gotten, but I can tell you that it was the Chinese military. What? Uh, and they have been aggressively pursuing it. And I will tell you this, and for, for folks at home, well, what does this mean to me? We, in some cases, have to go back for any material that may have been stolen, as you can imagine, and redesign it. It costs more money. It costs billions and billions of dollars. 
extra to try to make sure that we're staying ahead. Wait a minute. Uh, we got to redesign these weapons. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to restart. Wait, whoa, 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 drawing board. Whoa, Chris, Chris, I think I see you have some bacon. Oh, over there? I, well, I'd have some, to, I, some, I would, but I have to cancel the current clip, and it's got a minute left. I'm sorry. Uh, it's the soundboard. Although, you know, I, I got that's somebody fine. who's writing I tell, I tell you what. Let me get the bacon prepared. All right. You set it off to the side. And I'll set it off the clip, side. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I got some bacon ready. One day, when the new soundboard's in, we can do multiple clips at once. Uh, I'm going to get some pepper. Yeah. Of our adversaries with technology. When they steal it, they leap ahead. That means we have to invest more. I like the idea, too, that somebody steals something that we've already developed, and that leaps them ahead. Now, yes, it does technically move them from where they were, but it doesn't necessarily leap them ahead of us if they're taking something we've already built. And change that technology. It is a serious problem. In the real world, though, you can't blame the Chinese for trying to steal it. You can't blame the Russians or others for trying to steal this kind of Stuff, but you can blame the U.S. national security uh, infrastructure, if you will, if it can't protect this kind of information. Well, here's something to think about. So about 10% of the networks are government networks. And so we ask our intelligence agencies to go over. Now, this is he's saying this very funky. Right. But what he actually is saying here is 10% of the risk is government computers. And he's saying 90% of the risk are private sector computers. He's, that's what he's actually talking about here. Seize and find out what the bad guys are up to. They bring information back and do a pretty good job about protecting government networks. It's that 90%. There's a common myth that the government or the NSA, the National Security Agency, CIA, others are monitoring that private network. They're not. Now, where do you suppose at this point, Chase, if you were going to guess, where do you think this conversation's about to go? Oh, God, uh, we need to be more restrictive on Internet. And so what happens is well, they, should one of our be. Gr- they should be. I well, mean, if, I if you have these private that. defense contractors and their yeah. security is not good and they're getting access to all this sensitive material and Chinese hackers are stealing it from one of these big defense contractors, that's a that's a major problem. Well, it's a huge problem. We think we have a separate answer by just allowing the a separate answer. Government to share malicious source code with the private sector and the private sector to share back. That ah! could happen. <laughs> hasn't yet. Takes Why a while. hasn't it happened? Well, it passed the House. We're awaiting action in the Senate. I think we're going to get a bill this year, a bipartisan bill, uh, uh, sponsored by myself and, and rank, my ranking member, Dutch Rupert Berger, that will pass uh, in some form this year. I think that so will happen. So there you go. Mike Rogers, he's going to sponsor CISPA. What is it? CISPA 3.0 at this 3.0. point? 3.0. Hold on. I, uh, you want me to you smell uh, that? Smell it? All right. A little bacon going there, Chase? Uh, today's bacon coming to you from the beautiful, beautiful, uber-natural British Columbia, Canada. Nice. Uh, I wanted to say that I believe this is just very, very conspiracy-ish. Uh-oh. On this show? But what if this is whole a guy, a guys that China is not hacking? What, Chase? But instead, this is a guise to push more money into the... Industry, uh, military industrial complex. What, Chase? To, to, to up the money that we spend on these weapons and to improve and boost the budgets. And huh. here's a little bit more bacon for okay. you. Okay, okay. Talk about sequester. Because of the fact that we're cutting these the money and the budgets and the programs, we need to come up with something to try to boost money into these programs so we can improve our weapons. I think you might I think you might have it, Chase. I think I'm you just might saying. Have it. I... I uh, is cyber is cyber, I hate even using the word. I know. Okay, if you have, I don't. I guess maybe maybe the coming on fifteen years I've been in the computer industry and a huge portion of that experience has been directly responsible for securing 
networks that have confidential information where laws mandate that that company protect them, either it be the case of an educational school district or a bank um, or, uh, in, or in, in a current example, uh, state contracts that involve construction. Uh, in all of those scenarios, if you have a system that has information that is absolutely critical, I got a pro tip. And again, it's maybe a little simple, but what yeah. you do is you don't plug that system into the internet and then you don't have a problem. Ah. If you want if you want to have your missile designs, you can still have them on a network, but just how about that network isn't connected to the internet? I know it sucks not to have Facebook on your servers, but you can manage. Yep, yes you can. There's your cybersecurity and anything that's not about that to me seems disingenuous because I do I really cannot quite understand why that is not literally why are we literally not talking about legislation that mandates disconnection from the internet? Why is that not an option? Because everything needs to be connected. So the Google can can uh, catalog it. I just yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think government officials. I think Hammy has a right in the chat room. Then government officials cannot look at porn. <laughs> well, they do, yeah, uh, because the internet is for porn. Yeah, that is true. Uh, I so but then again, you know, uh, I do think we probably need to be prepared for there are going to be bad state actors uh, to use their term that are going to try to get us. I mean, that's true. Very true. We do we do need to be, at least be aware of it. Uh, so we'll have more information. Of course, all of this, the timing of this is critical because Obama is meeting with the Chinese president next week in California, and one of their main topics is cybersecurity. So it's no coincidence that all of this stuff is coming out the week before they're getting together because Barry's planning to put pressure on the Chinese president. Yeah. So that's what they're, that's the big thing about why this is happening right now. The timing... I mean, they have known about this particular breach, I believe, since January. Okay, so you you have to understand, people, that they've held on to this information intentionally until the week before they're going to meet with the Chinese president and talk about cybersecurity. (laughs) Come on. Come on. It's not conspiracy. That's literally what happened. All right. Come on. I want to uh, take a quick minute before we really dive into some deep stuff, and I want to thank two fine people for joining the Supporters Club for this week in Unfilter, the supporters of this unfiltered show get a little extra bonus every single week. Sometimes, what do they get, Chris? Sometimes it's a little more than extra. So here's here's what you get. After every single unfilter, I send out a newsletter that gives you a little behind the scenes info about okay. that episode. That's nice. And in there is a link to download the pre and post show. Whoa, wait, wait, pre and post show? You mean there's more content other than the show itself? Chase, way more content. And you're uh, not you're you're kidding. And me. a lot of times that content adds additional context to the show. Uh-huh. That's essentially uh, that's really the case this week. So so there's a newsletter. And you know, I I kind of realized audio content. I kind of I kind of look at unfiltered before the internet, one way people got straight information was there was these underground magazine subscriptions uh, that they would mail out. I, I honestly see unfiltered like that a lot. The, the the price for Unfilter is $13.33 a month. Wait, wait, it's not $20? No, It's no. not $30? No, Chase, I'm telling you, it's $13.33 if you want to be get a supporter. Out. Get and out. And that gets you, for free, you get four hours. But when you become a supporter, you essentially get eight hours of content a week because the supporter show is often an hour, an hour long. So you get two hours a week of Unfilter. That is incredible. It is actually quite a bit. That's a bargain. So I want to say thank you to Tyler T., and Matthew D., who became uh, our supporters, which kept us at the 80 mark. We're holding at the 80 supporters on mark. We're trying to get to 133 to finance one day of production. Um, but we did get an email. We did. From somebody outside the U.S. We he, did. He wanted us to know why he became an investor in the Unfilter Show. Yes, Martin wrote in, and he uh, aptly titled his email, Why I Invest in Unfilter. He said, Hi, Chris and Chase. I just wanted to write and share my reasons for investing in the Unfilter Show in the hope that 
it would inspire others to do the same. In my view, the media is the fourth estate, the institution whose obligation it is to inform its readers of the important stuff, an obligation that, in my opinion, is being ignored. I live in Norway, and the news here is really just tabloid, and in my personal opinion, the non-news is heavily fronted at the cost of the news that matters. Isn't that true? And it's no heavily guarded secret that the news agency is either left or right. This leaves a news image cluttered with noise where the important news is rarely being emphasized. And that leaves me in a news void. That's where Unfilter comes in. It's unbiased. It has no agenda. It answers to no one except for the viewers and its investors. And it's a show obligated to the truth. Really appreciate the international coverage as well. But the fact remains that the U.S. is a big player in the international, social, and political sphere, and influences other nations heavily. Mm. Therefore, I feel that the Unfiltered Show balances national and international news at a just rate. Oh, what you. do you? What you guys do means the world. Keep at it. You know, he touched on something that I. I this is going to be my new phrase. Unfiltered is nutrition for your mind. It really is. You know, you have nutritional foods. Yeah. You can also have nutritional information. Uh, and one of the things, and I think the actual name of the show sort of does this a little disservice, is a huge part of what Unfilter is, is actually quite literally filtering out yeah. the noise. And so much of what the media covers is just complete gibberish crap. And I yeah. always say this on the show, and I always say, oh man, I could have had so many clips of the most ridiculous things. I decided to spend a few minutes, and I clipped a few of the most ridiculous things from some of my news feeds to give you an example of... of what what our very excellent emailer here is Wait, saying Chris, is how they front load Chris, with noise. Chris, do, do do I have to take off my headphones because you might. I, when when I when I come to do this show, I, know. I trust you Chase, to not put crap on it here. It is necessary right now. We're going to feed people a little junk food to show no, them what the unfiltered and, show and, saves and, and them. And by from. the way, you guys, this is a, this is not scripted here. I, I really I really you don't might. like I don't like crap. Go take a pee, Chase. Oh God. Who fits the bill to play Hill? Scarlett Johansson, Amanda Seyfried, if that's how you say it, Reese Witherspoon, are among an array of actresses being considered to play Hillary Clinton in a new movie about the ex-secretary of state's formative years as a Washington lawyer. Because in the eyes of some people, the tea kettle bore a strong resemblance to Adolf Hitler. We've been talking about this all morning as well, the hottest swimsuit of the summer right now. This thing is flying off the shelves. It's a two-piece bathing suit for plus sizes, and ABC's Lindsay Davis is here with the story. Good morning, guys. Before they even hit the pool, hundreds of women are ready to take the plunge into this sexy swimsuit. They are saying the galaxy print bikini both conceals and reveals and gives them just the right boost of confidence. Japan may have a baby panda on the way. Officials at Tokyo Zoo are hopeful that seven-year-old Shinshin will soon be a mother after a blood test suggested she could be pregnant. That connection is now over. Nike says it will stop making Livestrong products at the end of this year. That includes the distinctive yellow wristband. Nike cuts ties. Tonight we go undercover and inside an underground trading ring where the mysterious sloth is being illegally sold to the highest bidders. Here. Latest on former child star Amanda Bynes. She is now blasting superstar Rihanna and calling out the NYPD in an online rampage. God and pornography, they don't mix. We have some breaking news uh, from Anaheim, California tonight. There was an explosion at the Disneyland theme park. 
uh, in Anaheim, California tonight. It was a little bit more than an hour ago, 5.30 local time, 8.30 East Coast time. Uh, it apparently happened in the Toontown area of the park. Uh, there are no reports of injuries, but the Toontown attraction was evacuated as a precaution. Um, authorities are telling the Los Angeles Times that the explosion at Disneyland tonight appears to have been a dry ice-related explosion. Although we are not sure what that means. In general terms, of course, I can tell you that if you combine dry ice with hot water in a confined space, like in a sealed plastic bottle, that sort of thing can explode. So it's time to talk about the effects that computers have on the human brain. Are they serious? There you go. I know that was painful, Chase. But every now and then I have to remind people. I had to find a Picard face palm to show because we don't have any in-studio cameras here in the uh, situation That's room. That's about what you look like, though. But right now, I, oh, my God. My, I have a headache now. I, I honestly have a headache. Do you want to wash it out with a, like, a little uh, Syrian massacre or something like that? <laughs> I mean, because we can reset your palate that's, if you That's prefer. not funny. <laughs> that's not funny. Well, I'm saying that's what we're moving on to next, Chase. Uh, so there you go. Oh, we're, my God. We're we're here. We're here so that you don't have to suffer that. Right. I mean, really, think about that. That I and, I'm, and the reason why I play that is because it sounds like a little bit of a joke, but that is literally the shit that I slog through every single week to pull out the stuff that is actually important. But you know what's sad? The reason why, I mean, news organizations didn't used to do this. They didn't, and the reason why they do it now is because they're owned by the media industry. Not only that, but it's a twenty, it's a twenty four seven news culture now. Yeah, and you know, since the the mid eighties, you know, when CNN, you know, first yeah. launched off in twenty four hours news, and it was always about news, news, news. Yeah, yeah. Now they need to fill that day, and there's so much stuff to fill. This is this is what we get. This yeah. is the crap that we get. Yeah, I know. Ah, uh, and so uh, we don't. I say we will probably av- we'll avoid that for another year. But uh. at the year mark, we need to remind people that it really is about about focusing on what matters. Uh, and if you want to keep us, going, I was I was hoping, Chris, that you know we can introduce a new celebrity segment to the show hmm. where we well, we could keep tabs on Amanda Bynes if that'd make you happy. Uh, who? I I think that's her name. Who's that? She's. I have no idea who that is. Blonde. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I don't. Either. I really don't know. It's just their name. I mean, I, I think I think I've heard Remember of the she name. She was blasting Rihanna. They just said. I mean, I've heard of the name Amanda Bynes. I, yeah. I know she must be an actor or something. Yeah. I don't even know what she all right, does. Chase, moving on. Oh, so God, if you want to, right, hold on a second. If you want, if you want to support the show please, uh, for the please. one year anniversary, we'll have the we'll bring back for one more week the seven ninety nine special. It'll be linked in the show notes. You go over to Unfilter, look for episode fifty two for one week. You can become an Unfilter supporter for seven dollars. And 99 cents to celebrate the one year anniversary of the Unfiltered Show. So, thank you, everybody who is an Unfiltered supporter. And uh, thank you, everyone else who tries to support the show any way you can, either by using our affiliates, donating occasionally when you can afford it, and things like that. What do you say we kick things into high gear, Chase, and ask the chat room? Hell yeah, it's time to ask the chat room because we have an obvious question that you really should know the answer to. And now, here's Chris with the question. Okay, chat room, who made a secret visit to Syria this weekend while you were being lazy on your (laughs) three-day Memorial Day weekend? Hey, I was camping. I was not being lazy. I was pitching a tent. Well, I mean, literally, I was pitching a tent. So who, Chase, made a secret visit to Syria Ooh. to speak with the rebels? All right. We we have some answers. Let's go ahead and spin it up. The great one says McCain. Oh, whoa, look at that. 
first first one right out of the gate. Nice. Yep. yep. McCain. That's made a, a new uh, sound too. Yeah. I that's got, very nice. I, got, I like uh, that. That's new. That's, that's very good. Uh, so yeah. Spared at no expense. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we uh, we had uh, quite the development over really the last few days going on in Syria. Yeah. And uh, starting with a major, major change in the U.N.'s policy for the weapons ban. European diplomats have ended an arms embargo on Syria, raising the possibility some European countries could begin selling weapons to rebels fighting President Bashar al-Assad. The European Union renewed economic sanctions against Syria, but failed to reach a consensus on extending the arms ban after Britain and France sought to ease it. British Foreign Secretary William Hague hailed the move. The European Union has agreed to bring to an end the arms embargo uh, on the Syrian opposition uh, and to maintain other sanctions on Syria, all the other existing sanctions on the Syrian regime. Uh, this is the outcome that the United Kingdom wanted. Uh, it has been difficult for many nations, of course. That is why we've had such long discussions today uh, over the last uh, 12 or 13 hours or so. But I think it is the right decision. Following the EU decision, Decision, Russia now says it'll move ahead with deliveries of anti-aircraft missiles to Syria. Oh, good. So, yeah, you heard that right. The EU has decided that uh, they're no longer going to... We're going to block money, but we're not going to block weapons. Right. So now... Uh, indiv- oh, that's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. That's great. And uh, you heard the little bit there at the end about Russia. Their response was to send those missiles that I kind of gave, gave a vague mention to last week. And at the same time, Russia also slams the EU for this move. Russia has slammed the EU's decision to drop uh, the Syria arms embargo as counterproductive towards finding a diplomatic solution. Moscow says it will continue to supply air defense missiles to Damascus, calling it a balance designed to deter foreign intervention in Syria. Well, we have in the studio RT Sean Thomas for more on this. So, Sean, what's Moscow's reasoning behind uh, you know, delivering on the missile supply deal? Well, the first thing you have to understand is these are old existing contracts that were signed before the Syrian conflict even began. So in some ways, Russia is obligated to fulfill these contracts. So that's the one way of looking at it. But it is interesting, the timing today in the wake of uh, the EU allowing this arms embargo to expire. Uh, This paves the way for different countries to individually start arming the rebels. Oh, that was the key piece right there. Individual countries can now start arming the rebels. Now, what's... What's wild is, so uh, Russia has these S-300 air defense weapons that they're going to they're going to deploy to Syria. Okay, now another question here is can Russia's uh, defense systems be used to influence events on the ground in Syria? The short answer is no, but obviously it's a little bit more complicated th- than that. Uh, the S-300 is an air defensive weapon and it is it cannot be used in ground to ground combat. It can't be used against the uh, the rebel forces, if you will. It's specifically designed for air combat. So think about this, Chase. A country, let's call them Russia, okay, <laughs> is sending weapons. Let's call them anti anti air missile uh, okay. defense missiles, okay, and they're giving them to Syria, who is fighting a rebel opposition who does not have an air force. So why are they doing this? Hmm. Is this a guise? Is this a cover for some other weapons? And. Which gets even, which, which it, it would appear, it's it's actually things are much worse than what is generally reported here in the states. The Syrian conflicts causing tension in neighboring countries, stoking fears it could spread across the entire region. 
A rocket was reportedly fired from Lebanon into Israel just a day after an attack on part of the Lebanese capital in the latest escalation of sectarian strife in the country. Antti's Middle East correspondent Paulus Lier is following the latest developments for us. The Hezbollah leader, Hassan Nasrallah, has clearly stated that he and Hezbollah are involved in the war in Syria. He was addressing thousands of his supporters in the southern Beirut suburb of Dahia on Sunday. And in that speech, he pledged all-out support for the Syrian president, Bashar Assad, saying that his Shiite Muslim group would stay in the Syrian war to quote him to the end of the road and achieve victory together. What's interesting is, uh, so Hezbollah has is, is, uh, now publicly announced that they are going to support the Assad regime to the end. Uh, now, Syria actually already has a very sophisticated air defense system. Really? Much more sophisticated than many of the countries we've entered more recently. Uh, and now, I find this to be fascinating since the rebels don't have an air force that now assume, uh, you know, the Assad regime does. Uh, but the White House is pushing for a no-fly zone. But the biggest news may be coming from the White House. Josh Rogan is the senior correspondent for Newsweek Daily Beast, and he joins me now with an exclusive. Josh, before we get to your exclusive, I want to play something that President Obama said about his options in Syria back in April. As early as last year, I asked uh, the Pentagon, our military, our intelligence uh, uh, officials to prepare for me what options might be available. Uh, and I won't go into the details of what those options might be. So he wouldn't go into the details what those options might be, but you now have some exclusive reporting on what at least one of them is. Exactly. Uh, we've discovered that the White House has tasked the Joint Chiefs of Staff. By the way, that's code for I got an email from a anonymous staffer in the White House. <laughs> to plan for a no-fly zone inside Syria that would be done on a multilateral basis with countries such as France and Britain. This wouldn't be a NATO option like in Libya. It wouldn't be a UN Interesting, because France and Britain were the ones behind the lobbying to get the EU to uh, loosen the weapons ban. Oh, that's interesting. An option, it would be U.S. and countries that are willing to participate, and those plans are being drawn up, and uh, that is new information. And this is a story that you're breaking right now in the Newsweek, The Daily Beast. I want to read something an administration official told you that's in your story. Quote, the White House is still in contemplation mode, but the planning is moving forward, and it's more advanced than it's ever been all this effort to pressure the regime is part of the overall effort to find a political solution. But what happens if Geneva fails? It's only prudent to plan for other options beyond Geneva. Talk us. So in other words, there's these uh, there's these uh, peace talks that are coming up in Geneva that actually Russia is the one that's sort of getting the ball rolling on this. Now, it doesn't look like things are going to go so well there. And as you can tell by this clip, the U.S. is already making post peace plan talks for a no-fly zone. So it seems like both sides already think these peace talks are doomed to failure before they start. Through how Talk the about being pessimistic. Now I know. ...options are going at this point. Right, we've got a dual-track strategy. The Obama administration wants a politically negotiated solution between the regime and the opposition. Uh, the upcoming conference in Geneva is the best chance to do that. Uh, but most people think that that's likely to fail. Uh, the opposition wants Assad to go. Assad's not going to agree to go. No. So we have to plan for options after Geneva. And it's not just the no-fly zone. They're all also considering arming the Syrian opposition, uh, elements of it that are moderate and who support the United States, and switching recognition from the Assad regime to the opposition. So there's a menu of options that the Obama administration is now considering more than ever, if and when the political solution becomes more and more unlikely. All right, so what the hell's going on, Chase? 
What's, why are we? What, do, why, what's the why end is, game here? Why is Russia giving them missiles? Why are we setting up no fly zones? Is is is, is uh, Syria being used as a pawn of an extended Cold War between the U.S. and Russia? Hmm. The Russians really, I think it's fair to say, from judging how they deal with global politics, view the world as a chessboard in some way. Syria for them isn't the be-all and end-all of their foreign policy. It's just something else they would like to discuss uh, with the U.S. and NATO. Uh, at this point, I think they're pushing their cards as hard as they possibly can. Uh, because they don't see any reason to give up their position just yet. And the S S-300 uh, missile defense system that's delivered is just another pawn they can use to exact what they can ahead of these peace talks in Geneva, my yeah. friend. Yeah, Nick, uh, thanks so much. Nick Payton Walsh there in Beirut. And, of course, the interesting thing, too, we've heard Israel say if those missiles do go in, they fear they could be fired into Israel potentially and say that they are offensive weapons as well as defensive. And they said the quote coming out of Israel today is, if that if those missiles go in, we know what we can do. Those missiles go in, we know what we can do. And let's be clear: if we go into, uh, if we do put a no-fly zone into effect, that is enforced by flying. And McCain's McCain's talking potentially hundreds of planes in the air. Now think about that. What would the Assad regime use to shoot those planes down? They would use the missiles provided by Russia. Russia. So right. you could have the Assad regime using Russian-supplied missiles to shoot down NATO air forces. And, and, and the tough part about what, what is taking place on the ground in Syria is you really there is no control right now where those weapons, uh, where they go, who, who actually controls uh, the rebel groups and, yeah. and whose hands they get into. I mean, and that, that is the big issue. It's, it's one of, it's you, one you, of the, you can't tell. It's a truism. Once those weapons go across the border into Syria, the West loses control over where they go. And one group can take them off another. And if, and if Israel sees those Russian missiles as a threat... And they arrive in Syria. Israel's already done airstrikes into Syria to destroy weapons that were bound for Hezbollah. I mean, so many regional implications here. You've got Iraqi fighters there. You've got Hezbollah involved from Lebanon. It's such a it's, it's a very important pivotal time for that that uh, and it's war. a proxy war. I it mean, it is. really is. <laughs> you know, yep. on the one hand, Israel, United States, and then Iran, Iran and Russia, Russia and every, on the on the other. It's a full on proxy war. I mean, wow. let's just be honest. It's legit. It's a legit full on proxy war. And now we're just talking about it. Out in the open, what's interesting is Russia's used this excuse about these missiles. They've said, well, uh, these were existing contracts that we signed in 2009 before the Assad regime had any problems. These are contracts and uh, we need to stop with the Russian voices. We are legal men. Yeah, so, uh, of course, they managed to sit on it and push these out and push this out and push this out until just after the EU lifted the weapons embargo. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, we had a contract. You guys, we, we, 2000, we got it, we got it, we got it, sorry, contract. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we already had something, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, come on. So uh, we're about to get some serious crap going down in Syria, and what I worry about a little bit is, to me, it seems like a likely foregone conclusion that eventually the Assad regime will fall. It's just how much blood we're going to spill before then. Um, and we are honestly just doing as much as possible, it seems, to draw this thing out in the most painful manner. We're going on two years now that this conflict's been going on. And uh, when you, you have— You think we'll see more drones? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I suppose if we start enforcing a no-fly zone, and I just I just worry that if the Assad regime does fall, then what happens to these missiles? Yeah. yeah what, what's going to happen, right? Yeah. What? I mean, it seems like when you've got all of NATO against Assad, and then you've got Iran and Russia backing up Assad, I mean, it just seems like eventually— Assad will fall. It just might take a damn long time. And then what happens? What happens with those chemical weapons? What happens with those missiles? And it's just making it worse. And what happens with all the damn guns that we're, we're about to start sending in there? And by the way, go check our previous episodes. We've been sending guns.
I mean, look what uh, look what happened in the 1980s with Afghanistan and how that worked out so well. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. I mean, you know, it, the, the, we're falling into the same pattern here, and I don't understand how and why. Uh, no. It and, is. It is funny because and how we can repeat the same steps that we're going through before. Yeah, it uh, just doesn't make sense. McCain said that a realistic plan for a no-fly zone would include hundreds of planes and would be most effective if it included destroying Syrian airplanes on runways and bombing those runways and moving U.S. Patriot missile batteries into Turkey close to the border so they could protect airspace inside northern Syria. That's war, right? That's war. Yeah. When you when you're bombing airports and things, I mean that's war, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 calling it it's war without calling it war. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what we do now. Well, yeah, because because if we come out and just straight say war, then actually, yeah, you'll have people protesting. So you don't want that. You don't want to piss off people. You don't want boots on the ground because no. if you have boots on the ground, then people are going to get pissed. So you can't call it a war. You can't put right. boots on the ground. So right. what you do is you put unless they're CIA. Or NATO forces. Right. But then you can't talk about it because it's under the guise of national security. Right. Yeah, that's, that's convenient. Uh, speaking of wars, we've covered the war on drugs a lot in our 52 What about the episodes. war on chicken? We, we have covered a little war on chicken. Um, but, you know, uh, because you and I basically... I love chicken. But we do sometimes... I eat too much chicken. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, I want to talk a little bit. This was the number one voted story in the Unfiltered subreddit this week, and the title was, uh, Why Are We So Desperate to Throw Kids in Jail? I want to play this story. I, I, it's kind of a downer, but we, we got we to talk about this, Chase. Doug and Catherine Snodgrass say Temecula Valley Unified School District went too far when it allowed an undercover cop to befriend their autistic son. They say on his second day of class at Chaparral High School, their son met and began talking about his new friend, Daniel. We were really thrilled because our son doesn't have friends, and it's so hard for him to make friends. And um, he suddenly had this friend who was texting him around the clock. The Snodgrasses say what they didn't know was Daniel was an undercover police officer. All right, so my heart breaks right there as a father. So they move into this town. Second day of school, kid comes home, talks about this new friend. This kid doesn't have any friends, and uh, he also has a mental disability. And then it turns out that this friend who's been texting him is an undercover cop. And they say he was pressuring their 17-year-old son to sell him marijuana. Last December, their son, along with 21 other students, were arrested during a drug bust at the high school. I thought there had been some awful mistake made. On April 26th, the couple filed a claim against the school district for unspecified damages. They say district administrators should have protected their son, who they say has Asperger's syndrome and other disabilities. So this cop went after a child with mental disabilities. If, did the cop know this? You probably can tell. Over text messaging? It, he met him at school. Oh, jeez. Parents say the juvenile court judge will dismiss the marijuana case against their son in six months after he serves 20 hours of community service. Our son had been cleared by the criminal judge who saw extenuating circumstances. The attorney representing the Temecula Valley Unified School District issued this statement to Eyewitness News. The district continues to act lawfully and in furtherance of its mission to educate students. It really does continue to be an uphill battle for him. In March, the Snodgrass's son was allowed to return here to Chaparral High School after a judge blocked the district's attempt to expel him. The Snodgrasses say district officials continue to bully their son, 
who is now three months behind and will not graduate this year as they had hoped. What we'd like to see from this is some change at the top of this administration. For now, the family says it is working to not only clear their son's name, but also make sure this doesn't happen to another family with special needs children. Leticia Juarez, ABC 7 Eyewitness News. If it wasn't sad enough, so this happened on December 11th. This is a quote from the father. Our son went to school the morning of December 11th, and he didn't show up home after school because he was arrested in his classroom. Police went into his classroom armed and handcuffed our son. We were not notified by anyone, and he was held for two days, and we were unable to see him. Whatever happened to due process? Why are we putting undercover cops in high schools to bust kids for selling pot? I mean, first of all, uh, that just is dirty to begin with, and I think we need to ask... I think there's a lot of information we're not getting here. First off, it is... Now, we've already established our feelings and thoughts about marijuana. I'm wondering if this school has an overall drug problem on its own, not just yeah. marijuana, but maybe some harder harder type drugs. And so what they had to do, obviously, to combat this is implant, a la 21 Jump Street, some kid, cop, or a cop who's not a kid but acts like a kid and put him in the school to bust things. Uh, Here's the problem is... And then you got this kid who's got a mental disability who is eager to make friends with people who's probably very susceptible and very eager to do anything to have a friend. And I don't mean to speak bad about cops, but I think this happens in any industry, any career. It becomes a job after a certain point. You show up, you have numbers to meet, and if you've got an easy target and you can get the kid to do something, well, then he legitimately did something wrong. I really hope that's not the case here. I I really Seems like easy pickings. And look, they can show how they're cracking down on drug crime in schools by helping them with the numbers. So, if it, but what I want to know is why isn't there a, a lawsuit against the police department here for for you know coercion or you know what where, where's the evidence? The only is the evidence uh, text messages. I mean, is that the evidence here? Don't know. Don't know. It's, it's I mean, pretty sad. But where's story. the due it was, process? It happened in December, so it's kind of interesting. It's just going national. Now, at this point, um, and I th- I wonder if uh, there was a study released over the weekend about um, children getting exposed to marijuana and how this is starting to become a problem. We have a new warning from doctors. More young kids Q13. are being exposed to marijuana. Un- yeah, Q13. I'm so good at this. Q13 has at least a pot story once or twice a week. They're really on it, and they're starting to get pretty anti-pot, so it's kind of funny to listen to because, you know, it's, I don't know. Yeah. Unintentionally because they're eating things like this. Okay, so let's get down to business. Let's check out these gummies. Bam. These ones are grape flavored. These ones are orange lime. I'm going to have to eat this one. You see there's lime on the outside there, and then it's like orange flavor on the center. To attract users, companies are making... Yeah, he says users, right? Instead of to attract customers or this people is, who are this, gonna- this is for... Now, po- folks, the reason why that you're hearing gummies or whatever is because some marijuana patients, they don't want to smoke it because they're not right. smokers. Right. So they want an easier way to take the medication, yeah. okay? This yeah. is an easier way of taking medication. Right. And yeah, and they slip they slip the verbiage in there like users instead of patients or customers or you know whatever yeah, patients. Gummy candies, hard candies, brownies, cookies, and more with pot. And a new study shows by relaxing pot laws, we've seen a huge spike in the number of young children treated for accidentally eating pot laced foods. The study looked at Colorado, but like that state, Washington has also legalized pot. We spoke to Dr. William Hurley, director of the Washington Poison Control Center, about the growing concerns 
the message that you're going to have to provide to your kids is marijuana is out there, but now it's going to be Decrying. available in a whole lot of different forms. The concentration is going to be higher. The impact is going to be greater. And you got to know that it's there because they will get into it. He says the public needs to know these products will be hitting the market on a large scale in December and are a risk to children. All right, Chase. So let's take a look at the study. Um, so I have this. I have more information linked in the uh, show notes. Uh, but the uh, Times did an analysis. Uh, they were uh, taking a look at um, the different uh, different uh, numbers. Then also, they by the way, the reason why they looked at Colorado is because Colorado's had a medical marijuana uh, law since I think two thousand nine. So that's why they chose Colorado. Even though I know yeah. California's had it yeah. too. But uh, before Colorado passed the medical marijuana legislation laws, the number of kids treated for marijuana exposure, and I quote, "This is from the study," was nil. Okay. Okay. Pretty pretty accurate there. Uh, whereas in cases after the legalization, there were 14 cases, out of which eight of those cases came directly from consuming marijuana food products. So eight of the 14 cases of exposure. So this is what Q13's report. And by the way, this generated about, you can go Google News search it, about 500 uh, copy and paste PR releases. <clears throat> so I thought that was interesting. I mean, eight cases of accidental Marijuana digestion is probably pretty bad. So I thought I'd go look up accidental uh, prescription pills. Yes. Just curious to see what that would look like. Uh, and the uh, the numbers are uh, pretty bad. In fact, uh, drug overdose exceeded motor vehicle accidents as the cause of death in 2009, killing at least 37,000 people nationwide, according to uh, the Center of, for Disease, Con- uh, Disease and Control. Also propelled by the increase in prescription narcotic overdoses, drug deaths now outnumber traffic deaths everywhere in the U.S., Children deaths from poisoning rose 80% over a 10-year time period, owing largely to huge increases in such deaths among children between aged 15 to 19. Prescription drug abuse is to blame, once again, according to the CDC. So, you know, I mean, yeah, eight kids that accidentally ate marijuana, that is bad. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, I, 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 it's really hard for me to believe that the legalization of general pot in Colorado and Washington is to blame. Miracle Marijuana has been available in the state of Washington for, what, 20, almost 20 years? Uh, same thing in California. It's been a long, yeah. around for a long period of time. The same access has always been there. Uh, I just find it very interesting that these stories are starting to come out now after ca- uh, Colorado and Washington. If there's more of it, well, because uh, this report was just put out. Right. and uh, <clears throat> but, but the timing's very interesting. If there's more of it, I could see how accidental exposure is going to happen. I mean, sure. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think what my point here is, is this is a good example how the media kind of plays to our worst instincts, where there's a fear... And well, there's and this is and a it's new also thing. about saving the kids, right? Don't forget that. And so they can bring up something that could be considered completely legitimate to have a concern about, but they don't bring up the thing that is substantially more important, right? right? That is right. what you might consider an epidemic. I just said that child deaths from poisoning rose eighty percent over the ten-year time period that a study has been going on. Eighty percent. Okay, so maybe, maybe while yes, we could talk about the eight kids that accidentally had a pop brownie. We could also talk about the hundreds of thousands of children who are dying from accidental prescription drug overdose or whatever. It is. Right. Yeah. So I, I just think it's a little. I think it's just a good example of how the media can sort of cherry pick the important and not important issues and 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 sort of affect the dialogue in a way that really kind of just distracts from the main problem. True. There you have it, Chase. And that is what grinds your gears. And and you know what else. <laughs> Of course. I have links to more information about that yes. 
in the show notes. All right, Chase. Well, I think it's just about time uh, we get out of here. We do have an email, though. We do. We do. Uh, this email came in from Paul, and he said, we made Paul see red. Uh-oh. And I, I, this is just to you. Apparently, I don't exist anymore. That's probably something I said then. Yeah, it must be. <clears throat> you piss off a lot more people than I do, I think. Anyway, uh, he says, hey there, Chris. I'm a big fan and listener of Unfilter across the pond in the UK. I share many of your sentiments regarding the politics you discuss in the show. However, in all honesty, both of your opinions on gun control make me see red. Uh However, I I make a point of listening to opinions I disagree with. As Amen. I see it as a healthy in order to uh, come to my own conclusions. Mm-hmm, I agree. It was in fact that I listened today that I realized it was not so much my disagreement on gun control that made me angry. It was in fact the lack of discussion from either side of the issue. For sure, you both have discussed gun control in great detail, but you only have done that from within one side of the spectrum of the debate. I realize that Unfilter is an opinion show, and equally I realize I watch it through my own choice to do so. However, if a core a core ideal of your show is to find the truth, then I think it would be great to hear alternative voices. I don't think echo chambers are really ever a smart way to find what's right. In particular, on gun control, surely a foreign perspective is required, uh, as many of us have personal experience of living in countries with regulated firearms. Regardless, I'm still loving the show and lots of other content uh, content you produce. Thanks for all the great Jupiter Broadcasting content. So I I totally see where he's coming from, right? But I think it's it's sort of I want to say I feel the flip side is this. Uh, so we've gotten this from a few people in an email, but I never hear the flip side of the argument. I just hear we're not. Well, we're I, was, not I was waiting for an example. Here. Exactly, and I think it's what it comes down to is culture. Well, sure. I mean, I think it's just like it's a fundamental foregone conclusion of the cultures. I mean, when you're when uh, I mean, I, obviously, I don't know what it's like to be born and raised in the UK. Born and raised, and you know, uh, say somebody in their twenties and thirties born in the U, uh, UK or in the UK today has a different perspective on gun control through many different factors. The way that the news media or the BBC has probably influenced that uh, news and tabloids, friends and family, those sort of actions. Well, and if you've if you've grown up your whole life without you know, with very strict gun controls in place, that would just seem the natural way things should be. Right. So, so how how I mean, one thing we can always do is, of course, take that opinion and perspective. And we're not saying one side is right or wrong, but one thing that Chris and I have always tried to uh, side on is I don't know freedom and just the 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 freedom, the ability of not having a control. I I I think the word freedom comes up in the American lexicon probably at, at a magnitude more than it comes up in countries other countries. I right. think freedom is like we associate a lot of things and I think when we say freedom to people that sounds like a vague thing. Right. Like that doesn't sound like anything specific. But to us it's this fundamental I think to Americans and both neither one of us have guns although I do have a super secret stash so if you break into my house I will shoot you. But neither one of us have guns. But, I technically have a gun, but oh, okay. it's not here. Um, right. Except for the secret stash that we have in the studio right yes, now. Yes, yes. Uh, because we are in an underground bunker. Let's let's just get down to a very basic monkeys in the woods per, per, perspective here. Guns are the ultimate form of control. If I violate the law and the man comes to get me, I can take my own life. I have a decision. If somebody breaks into my house, I can take their life. Um, that is sort of this ultimate freedom you know this complete and total freedom that i think americans sort of associate there's this sort of 
It's also, I think a lot of Americans look at it as an insurance policy against the man. So if there's tyranny that need, and we need to get, we need to get all uh, righteous up in here in, up in the militia, you know, they want to be like, even though, even if at this point it's completely impractical and, we, and they would be crushed in a moment, they still want that there. I think, I think that's where a lot of it comes from. And I think some of that just isn't really, it's just not in the culture over there. Uh, no, it's not. And you know, it's like that in many countries. I mean, not to single out the UK, but every country has their own culture. Obviously, you know, we're coming at this from a U.S. perspective uh, because we live here. Makes sense. Mm, Funny how that works, Chase. But, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, when we go back to our Bill of Rights and our Constitution and what feels uh, what we feel in our heart and, you know, we want to, you know, unrestrict and be free and unfilter what we have. Think about it. We're just a bunch of anarchists, so they're just loosely. Oh, hush. Come on now. All right, Chase. So uh, we talk about the ultimate democracy. Unfilter.reddit.com. Yes. You can participate in this show. The uh, Now, do you remember, the, Chris, the what I. going to jail story came from the subreddit. Now, do you remember, Chris, <laughs> what I asked for at the last episode, episode 51? I think it was something crazy, Chase. Impossible, if I recall. I asked to reach over the plateau of 400. Yeah, that's, that's not going to happen, Chase. Uh, actually, it, it did. Chris. Oh, what? Yep. We got 402. Oh, awesome. So I appreciate you guys yeah. signing up, even if you don't contribute. But it's more fun to play uh, if you want to contribute <laughs> stories or vote or whatever. Yeah. And uh, since I I always like to set plateaus, my next goal, it, it's not a very big goal. I want to get to 404 or above. 404 would be fun. Yeah. As the one year, as a one year uh, thanks. Come on, guys. Yeah. So just we'll sign up. We just need to. Help us get. get <laughs> we just need to. The more, the more eyes we get on that, the better the show gets. Oh, yeah. Because it, it gets uh, people involved and it gets you involved. Speaking if you of can't getting, make the show. Yeah. Speaking of getting people involved. Yeah. Speaking. Speaking. They can always join us live. But don't forget the Unfiltered Show is live on Thursdays live. at 6 6.30 p.m. Live. 6.30 p.m. Pacific over at jblive.tv. That's right. Now, and Chris. You, yes. Now, during the week. Yeah. You probably express your freedoms, your I opinions. Do. I do, yeah. All that fun yeah. jazz. So yeah. where, where do you do that? Twitter.com slash Chris L-A-S. That looks so pretty. Thanks. That's I put it. that on there. It's gorgeous. Thank if you're you. watching the enhanced feed, you would know what we're talking what about. What if I wanted to see what you're up to during the week? Like I wanted to say, follow you. Oh, uh, you could follow me. Get it? On Twitter. I don't get it. At Nunes. N-U-N-E-S. Not N-O-O-N-I-S. <laughs> That's N-U-N-E-S. Oh. It's Portuguese, by not the way. Nunes. Not Nunes. Not Nunes. <laughs> And don't forget about that website you got, Chase. Oh, I have a little website. It's called GeekGamer.tv. What? Yes. Pinball, GeekGamer, Minecraft, Crazy. all that fun jazz. All right, everyone. Don't forget we got a big supporter show for you, so go check your inbox if you're an unfiltered supporters. And thanks so much for tuning this week's episode, everybody. We'll see you right back here next, next week. week.